The war in Vietnam comes to a close. The Canadian jazz singer Michael Bublé is born, and a band is named 27 years after its namesake, the 1975. Formed in 2002 in Winslow, Cheshire, the 1975 are an English pop rock band now based in Manchester, England. The band consists of lead vocalist, producer, lyricist, rhythm guitarist, and self-proclaimed philosopher slash thinker Matthew Healy, lead guitarist Adam Han, bassist Ross McDonald, and drummer slash producer George Daniel. The band's origins traced their attendance at high school and playing together as teenagers. Gigs organized by a counselor worker led the band to formally sign with Dirty Hit and Polydor Records. The band opened for several major acts and released a series of EPs titled Face Down, Sex, Music for Cars, and Four. Throughout 2012, before releasing their self-titled debut album, which included popular singles Sex, Chocolate, and Robbers, and reached number one in the United Kingdom. Their second album, which is what we will draw from today, is aptly named I Like It When You Sleep, for you are so beautiful yet so unaware of it. Sees a departure from their earlier and more dark and heavy sound toward an aesthetic facade covering the still edgy and controversial lyrics with now bright neon sign artwork, gated snares, and big 80s sounding synths and guitar solos. This brings us to our song for today. The first single released on their second LP, a bright introduction to say the least to the new era of artistic boldness, drawing from both past and futuristic musical references, bringing us a critique and at best a call to awareness to the state of modern fame and celebrity status. I'm Gavin Listro, and today I've got Ox. You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7, and this is Love Me by the 1975. That was Love Me by the 1975. I'm Gavin Listro, and you're listening to I've Got Ox on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7. Um, today with me, I have Bella Ray and Allie Hall. And Allie Hall, this is the first time she just heard that song, so little first impressions maybe. Full disclosure, I used to be a huge 1975 fan when I was in middle school, as any girl was who was like uh, okay. even partially okay. on the internet, but <laughs> I haven't heard that the song cool yes. in maybe five years, so it was very it was very nice to revisit. It kind of reminded me how much I still love the band. So maybe I stretched that a little bit. Not the first time she's heard that. First time she's heard it in a, in a while. while. Okay. <laughs> Unlike Bella over here, who listens to this song every day religiously. <laughs> uh, for you a bore about the lyrics because i know you listen to the song a lot and it's kind of sometimes uh, the more you listen to a song you kind of glaze over the lyrics what caught your eye and do you feel like he's being kind of playful with a lot of what he's saying like like kind of like last um last episode where we were talking about anthony kiedis and his drug addiction how he's being playful do you feel the same kind of thing towards the subject that we're addressing in um this episode i mean yeah i guess i feel like maddie healy is probably a little less uh, like actually deep than he thinks he is like you know you yes. kind of get that Hot that he's take. like oh like I have this whole play on how fame is ruining everyone who's famous it's like that's yes. literally you like yeah. let's not pretend <laughs> and so I mean he definitely is like trying to do the same thing um, I think for me at least it comes off a little bit more like kind of like I mean I get what he's saying it just comes off a little more like 
not experienced really not yeah. self-aware and i think that's kind of the point he's trying to make is that this is their sophomore album and you know the the stereotype of having a sophomore album is that you're coming of age kind of it's you've had your success and now you're trying to deal with that success on the road and stuff like that and he feels i don't know he feels like he's becoming a celebrity in a way and he's becoming very popular and but he still feels like he can comment and do a commentary on it as if he's on the outside mm-hmm. which He's At this not. point, he, he can't because he's he's so in it. And I feel like, yeah, he needs to unaware of the fact that he's so into his own celebrity like persona. I'm glad we're all on the same page with that one because although I love the 1975, I do feel like my hormones have settled enough for me to objectively look at it. I think when we look at Love Me and I Like It When You Sleep as an isolated album, I think it was a fantastic sophomore album because that's usually like where we lose bands. It's like, oh, that was yeah. horrific. Good try. Try yeah. again. <laughs> but with this one, it's exactly what you guys are saying. It's hard for me to appreciate this song and this album after like the past most recent releases that are so wildly pretentious Yes, that it, it's exactly. difficult to look at this album that's fun and playful mm-hmm. and has some nuggets of meaning after you've just listened to like convoluted radio silence that Matt Healy then just kind of sells you as it's something meaningful and he's a philosopher. Or his take on house music that no, yeah. one, no one wants to hear. No one cares. No <laughs> one asked Maddie. <laughs> I definitely, I agree that I think part of that, like you asking me that question was just thinking about, like you said, their most recent like two albums where they're just trying to be so like, no like you said, pretentious and the whole like uh, the climate change thing with Greta Thunberg in the beginning of the song on the, um, the title track yeah the it was just like this is not what you're here for and so like you said it's hard to listen to this now and not have that pretentiousness that they now are like in the back of their head and it's almost like you can feel like them on the edge of that like oh it's like oh look we're better than everyone but <laughs> you're really like you're there right now like that is literally you yeah so yeah. i I, <laughs> I agree well getting back to like the lyrics of this song He's, there's one where he says, we just came to represent the, the declining standards of what we accept. And I think the we is celebrities in general and what they're willing to put out to the public and give people. And when he's like referring to himself as we, I, it's almost as like he's turning the accusation on himself to be like, we need to like raise the standard of what we give people. But also the fact that they're making a pop song like this it's almost it's so like well packaged and so nice and neat that it's almost like yeah we're giving you the nice pop song that you want so it's he's almost partaking in it even though the lyrics are saying that he's not so it's it's like he's trying to hide behind the lyrics so if you're like someone who's listening to this and like listening to the lyrics and you're like oh he's so right like this is how fame is these days but like you said is these days are these whatever <laughs> like you said he he's doing the same thing like he made this song you could even say that it's such like a turn from their earlier albums because he wants to sell it Mm -hmm. like so it's really it's it's kind of um what's the word like contradicting himself in a way i think the song just ends up being satire whether that was intentional or not Mm -hmm. i think it is and i think when you can take it just as that and you can understand okay he is commentary commentating on pop culture and it's like very weird toxic place that this was five years ago and i think things have even gotten progressively worse from then which Mm -hmm. we probably couldn't see but it, it's almost as if he knows the role he's playing in it and he's kind of okay with it. making, making, you know, light, light of it, it yeah. which isn't bad. 
I love the song. I like the album. <laughs> it's a good song. <laughs> yeah. It's just funny to think that we had all these insights, you know, five or some years ago. And now it's just like the internet has progressively gotten worse yeah, and he's darker. Just, he's just completely jumped into the deep end. Like, I think when I think of like the pretentious type of music artist, he's definitely kind of on up the top there. of the list. He's and he's there. kind of made a joke of himself like a meme of himself in a way that he, of course it's bad. You're getting up there to talk about philosophy and modernity. And when you can't really take anything he says seriously anymore <laughs> because he's kind of beaten a dead horse over and over again with all of his music. And it's so obvious. Yeah. And I even feel like l me listening to this for the first time, whenever I did, I would have totally like listened to this and been like, this is so true, you know, but it's just like, once you start to realize, like, especially who he actually is, it's just kind of like, yeah, it's come uh, on. It's comical. <laughs> yeah. um, something I wanted to point out too, just when we were talking about the sophomore album and that whole having an album that maybe is totally different than your first one. There's definitely like a an aspect of losing part of your audience, but also gaining a wider audience. And I feel that's what they did with this. This was kind of their this album. I love it when you sleep uh, was kind of their big their breakout album, and they had lots of hits like uh, somebody else. This one was pretty big. The sound. Those were all big songs that kind of solidified their audience and. Eventually, they kind of lost those people as well with their their next albums. But there's something that kind of changed from their first album to the second one that I wanted to point out. that The album covers are virtually identical. Um, the only thing that changes is the coloring, that it gets kind of, instead of being black and white, it turns to pink and white. And um, I think that's just kind of like a declaration of we aren't who we are were anymore. Like, we're not the kids from Manchester just singing about getting drunk at parties and your, your depressed friends. You're talking about bigger issues in more global scales as they as their music progresses. Um, and it, it changes the, the style of music that they're doing. Like I think of some of the songs like Money and Antichrist and Robbers, they're all very emo, and that's from their emo roots in general, but they're always kind of brooding and angry. And I feel like it's the same themes now, but it's just a different setting. Like, yeah, it's the same fears and the same like angst that they had while they were younger, but it's, it's changed and it's packaged in a more, a more commercial way. And they've obviously been picked up by a bigger label. It, that sound it sounds like it at least, and they're appealing to the more global um, listener. And I think also with that, like their debut album, although they are known for songs like "Sex" and "Chocolate" and being teenagers and doing drugs and all that stuff, like you also said, there were also songs on what an album like like <laughs> "Antichrist" and "Money" and songs that did have deeper meanings and that were very personal. But I do think "I Like It When You Sleep" is inherently like a more personal album with songs like she lays down where he talks about yeah. his mom and I drug addiction and things song. like that. i just think it's a more personal album and maybe it resonates more with a larger audience because it's more sonically palatable yeah and and once sure. we exited that kind of tumblr phase which was the neighborhood and the 1975 yeah. and like <laughs> the black doc martens and fishnets it's a thing that i think kids who grew up on the internet no like yes. we know that when we think of the 1975 i automatically think of that so I think this album was a nice departure from that. And I think they did grow so much that I just, you know, it's sad to me now looking at this album and remembering these songs and then kind of seeing where they are now. Mm -hmm, definitely. And I know it keeps kind of coming back to that. But ultimately, if you were a fan of the 1975 growing up or if you were there from the very beginning and you've you've seen this change, it's kind of predictable in some ways, but it's just kind of depressing they're hinting at a new album now and i'm just like yeah or stop. can't get any worse yeah. <laughs> no. but also do i want to listen to this yeah they, they kept they 
yeah, continuously disappointed for the last two albums, and they've gotten my hopes up twice. I think that's one of the reasons why on their latest two albums, like, for instance, with, like, Me and You Together song or um, If You're Too Shy, those were, like, the biggest ones and yeah. i think it just goes to say it's because they are most similar to like love yeah, me and, and i watched types of songs. i watched an interview and he's basically telling the person like yeah we have lots of songs like that sound like love me and they sound like um if you're too shy they sound like those songs he's like well we just didn't really want to put those out because that's not the 1975 and like what is but that's what is the 1975 if that's <laughs> right. that's the reason people like you and not to try to can like confine him and say like you can only make cool pop songs like just make Songs that people like, at least, not just remixes of '90s house music yeah. mm-hmm. that no one understands the words to. Because that, yeah. who's that for? And I understand, like, artists always say, like, I do it for myself. Like, I don't do it for anybody else. But kind of doubt that with him. Yeah, to at, be s- honest. at some point, you have to. <laughs> you have an audience that you're hopefully trying to take into account. It's also strange to me that y- I'm not saying if you have a formula that you found works, like just keep banking on it. Because obviously, artists want to grow creatively and try That's new true, things. Yeah, yeah. But also, if you know that the songs that you are writing in a specific style, or honestly, to me, a lot of 1975 songs water down to lyricism. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Matt Healy is the greatest vocalist I've ever heard. No. Because a lot of those (laughs) live performances are pretty bad. Pretty bad. The auto-tune comes in handy. (laughs) Yeah. So the (laughs) the lyrics are kind of the core of the music for me, and I think for a lot of people. So it's, it's strange to me that he just has this, like, rejection, revulsion towards hinting towards anything that he's created before where it's like well those things have resonated with people so mm-hmm. why not continue to create things that resonate with people or at least acknowledge it in yeah way. like yeah it's like he's been he had a phase when he was younger he's like i'm done with that and now he's but he's <laughs> but like why it's been solidified his phase in a way with mm-hmm. his old music and he's trying to so he's trying so hard to like counteract that and be like i'm not i'm not just an edgy teenager making like fun pop songs. Like I have, adult. I have my own. Yeah, I have my ed- I'm an edgy adult now, and I have my own ideas, and they don't conform to any anything that you thought about me before. So, which just doesn't mean anything. Yeah, that's what it waters and down to me. And you're 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 purely just trying to. You're not doing it for yourself anymore. Even if you're saying you are, you're doing it to prove somebody wrong, which is right. in the end doing right. it for them. Mm-hmm. Doing so. it out of spite, which yeah. is kind of goes against his whole thing of pretentious making art. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe you're not making it for the right reasons either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just his, it's kind of hard to talk about Maddie Healy. And it's kind of hard to have an episode of I've Got Ox without talking about drug addiction. So Maddie <laughs> Healy is definitely, you see kind of a, a connection between his drug addiction and the music that they make. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like it fuels really great lyrics, like some of the experiences that he's had. And um, But in the end, it really has just kind of fried him, I think, in a way, artistically, that he's had so many... His just brain is numb to anything. And so he's reaching so far to find something that interests him or excites him. And it, it, to us, it's just kind of like crazy and out there. Right. Like I remember that they made like a little... For their, like a promotional thing for their last album. It was like an AI... Like oh, alternate reality so thing like the mm-hmm. website realm or and whatever. it was just so weird and it kind of gives you an insight into the mind of an addict in a way that they need to find something to give them a little bit of a little bit of excitement artistically because they fried their their brains so much with drugs so that was just kind of it's kind of sad to see the the progression of that through his music all right maybe to switch to a little bit of a lighter subject Something that has always drawn me to the 1975 and something that I just love about their whole persona and their brand is how British they are. 
I just I have a, a love for all British bands pretty much. If you're British, you're just automatically cooler to me because the accent, like the British accent, and when you're singing, is just so cool. So they bring a lot of that slang and a lot of the, the things that they've grown up with into their music, which is really cool. Like there's a line where it says, "Slack off your calendar, give it to the people," and it's just kind of a as an American, it doesn't really mean much, but it it means to like slack off. You know, I mean, it's kind of intuitive, but just to free up your calendar and give it to the people and let let the the fans be that be your focus so is there anything else that you guys have noticed about their music because you guys are fans that you really love about british well culture i mean i think the best example is on i like it when you sleep there's a song called she's american yeah she's so american i used to love that song that song is so funny just talking about all the different things american girls like say to british guys when they're either in a relationship or they're flirting and it's like they talk about the teeth and the way they dress and like they're inherently more sophisticated because of the accent which of course is just like i just think that's one of the ways i think matt healy is so smart like he knows his audience which a lot is like young girls you know yeah. arguably Fair young enough. people <laughs> and their, their fascination with the fact that yes. Americans own guns like, oh that too <laughs> like yes she's There's got quite a, gu- a bit of that a gu- uh she's got a gun custom made and like divinely decreed or something and like that. there yeah. was a lot of gun reference to girls which you know that could be its own thesis yes <laughs> about that like went whatever in, in their first album too but i think this one she's so merry is such a funny song so i think that they do a good job of kind of using that to their advantage and making a little it a little more playful yeah Pl- playful <laughs> all right guys well i appreciate the awesome conversation about the 1975 this is one of my favorite bands and so to have you guys listen to it and talk about it it's really great. I love when the, my friends love the same music as me. Um, yeah, if you've uh, been listening with us along, we appreciate it. This is I've Got Ox on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7. And next week, we're going to have Bella Ray on Ox. So look forward to that. And we will see you next week. <laughs>